field, to the film room, to the war room. We've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final position ranking episode. If you've been with us so far, you have heard us break down every position group in this draft, save for one, and it is the linebackers. Save for last, partially because the Eagles don't value the position enough to draft it in the first round, and partially because... Let's be honest, none of these guys should probably go in the first round of the draft. But we're here today. We're going to break it down for you guys with our top six linebackers. And we'll throw out a few honorable mention day three guys at the end. I am joined, as always, by Dives. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Mr. Crockpot. Dives, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, man. Happy to break down this linebacker position. Uh, It's been a journey, man. We're nearly a week and a half away from draft day. I've been covering these guys since last summer. Uh, It's bittersweet, uh, but I'm ready to put a bow on this thing, and let's get started. All right, and I am also joined by my co-host on Chalk Talk. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at MarkHenryJr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing better than this linebacker class is doing, uh, if you had to ask me. We were spoiled last year with with some of the guys that we got. We had, obviously, Devin Lloyd, who I was a big fan of, N'Kobe Dean, who slipped in the draft, but we all had first-round grades on him, and we're all very excited to see what he does this year. Um, Chad Muma, there were other guys that I know Dives was really high on. Um, yeah. So I, I don't necessarily feel like this linebacker class is that linebacker class, but there's some good players sprinkled in and going through this exercise, there's one or two I came out higher on. Yeah. And so there, this Chad, will be, me, I, want, I want to touch on Chad Muma because I remember that draft process a year ago and I remember gushing over that guy uh, with you guys. And here we are. None of, there's none of that in this class. None. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, this, so this will be, this is the penultimate episode of the BGN draft show before the draft. We'll have one more show next week. We're going to be back. Uh, And we're going to break down, we're calling it a My Guys episode, and we're going to look at some of the guys we differ on and uh, make the person who is furthest away from the other two kind of defend their position. So it'll be a fun way to talk about some guys that we see and rank very differently. Uh, We are also going to be back the week after the draft, and we'll break down what the Eagles did, our thoughts, how it grades out according to our draft board. So, uh, But only one show left after this one before the draft. Uh, But this is our last positional ranking. And so without any further ado, let's get into it. Let's talk about this linebacker class. And uh, at number one, I have Drew Sanders, linebacker out of Arkansas. He is number two on both Mark and Dive's board. So let's talk about Drew Sanders first. Uh, He is my number 39 overall prospect, a guy that I think at the end of the day is probably going to sneak into the back end of the first round. I'm not sure if he will or not, but I I think he probably will. He was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. Uh, He played quarterback, wide receiver, and linebacker in high school. Then he played two years at Alabama, mostly as an edge, before he transferred to Arkansas for the 2022 season, where he was more of an off-ball linebacker. He is 6'4", 253 pounds, so he's huge, 96th percentile height. He ran a 4.5940 at his pro day. He's extremely young, just barely 21 years old, and overall has a 9.28 relative athletic score. In 2022, he had 103 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, one interception, five passes defensed, one fumble recovery, three forced fumbles, and 39 pressures. 
I think Drew Sanders has a rare combination of length and explosiveness. That 96th percentile height, he's got the good 40. He's a fluid mover in space. And as you would expect a guy that was an edge at Alabama before he transferred, he's got excellent pass rushing ability. And Arkansas rushed him some off of the edge. They also blitzed him through the A-gap a lot where I thought he was really effective. He's not the most polished guy in coverage, but I did think he showed some good instincts in zone coverage despite being new to the position. So that growth in one season, I think it projects well to the NFL, and we all know that development's not linear, but I do think he could develop into a decent coverage guy. Uh, But he's really going to thrive as a pass-rushing linebacker. As for his weaknesses, uh, I think Sanders can struggle to diagnose run plays at times, and he struggles to get off of blocks in traffic. He tends to play upright, and he gets out leveraged. And then he's he's kind of an awful tackler, which is surprising with 103 tackles, but you can rack up tackles and be a bad tackler. He missed 22 tackles in 2022. Uh, he doesn't really break down well, but when he does hit you, he hits you hard, so he goes for the big hits. Um, I think he's going to need to add mass at the next level to play in the box. He's only 33rd percentile for weight, which as an edge rusher, you can be a little lighter as a Mike linebacker. You're going to need to add some weight. So uh, my scheme fit for Drew Sanders, I think he's a Mike heavy or he's a Mike linebacker and probably a blitz heavy scheme. That's kind of where I see him fitting at the next level. So uh, that's Drew Sanders. He's my number one. Mark Dibes, he is number two for you guys. Uh, Mark, do you have anything that you want to add in on Sanders? Yeah, I mean, I see why a lot of people like him, and I see why he could sneak into the back of that first round. I see why people are uttering the name Parsons when talking about him. Um, So anytime you can get that level of comp, that's going to get some people to go crazy. I don't think he's that type of player. I would probably compare him more to like an Anthony Barr type edge rusher, tweener type guy. Um, you know, is a mixed bag in terms of coverage. There's good and bad tape there. Uh, it's just, he's a raw player because of the position changes, because of the fact that he just didn't get a chance at Alabama and really only has one year of production. Um, there's a lot to like, there's a lot to be nervous about. I view the top three linebackers kind of as a tier uh, of itself. So, um, I have all of my top three pretty neck and neck. All right, Dibes, anything that you want to add to that on Drew Sanders? No, um, I, he switched uh, from on-ball linebacker with Alabama to off-ball in Fayetteville. Uh, he's got a really good bull rush, uh, really good power, solid range. Um, however, he's like you said, Shane, he's really inconsistent. He takes questionable angles. Uh, he needs to improve, I think, in his tackling. Uh, the Parsons comparisons are, I think, pretty legit. Um, kind of Penn State used Parsons similar to how Arkansas used him. They lined him up all over the front seven, standing up anywhere on the line of scrimmage as a line as a Mike linebacker. Um, and his athleticism truly shined there uh, with Arkansas. I think for me, he projects best as an edge in a three-four where he's standing up. And I, I he probably could be a four-three down the road, uh, but just like Parsons, like. He's just a very good athlete who hasn't put it all together yet. I've got a round two grade on him. All right. So that is Drew Sanders. So Dives, let's talk about your number one. And it's also Mark's number one. Uh, It is Trenton Simpson, the linebacker slash move piece, I guess you could say, out of Clemson. Uh, I have him number two. You and Mark both have him at number one. I'll let you take the lead here on Trenton Simpson. 
Yeah, Trenton Simpson is my 1A, while Drew Sanders is my 1B. They're both in that same tier. I've got a round two grade on Trenton Simpson. Uh, everything you're looking for in a modern coverage linebacker. He's a freak athlete, six foot three, 240 pounds, legit speed, and athletic testing. Uh, he ran the 40 yard dash in 443 seconds. Um, and he didn't, he sat out the remaining tests, uh, which allowed Jack Campbell to really be like the linebacker that stood out. And we're going to talk about him in just a little bit. But this is a guy who can thrive in the box, he has sideline to sideline range. He checks off a lot of boxes in coverage, like I said, uh, but he's a playmaker. Uh, he moves like a safety. Uh, he's got the speed and power of an edge rusher, the strength and instincts of an orthodox linebacker. Uh, Clemson lined him up against slot receivers where he allowed only 18 catches on 144 yards across 28 targets in coverage. Uh, he's also, again, a great blitzer. He notched 31 pressures and seven sacks in 2022. Uh, Weaknesses-wise, his uh, cover awareness and route anticipation are very much still in that development phase. Uh, he's got all the tools you're looking for in that area. He's a major boomer bust pick, uh, especially where I see, you know, first round buzz for Trenton Simpson. Uh, I think he's more of a round two guy. Uh, but if you're looking to swing for the fences, uh, like the New York Giants, Trenton Simpson is your guy. Yeah, I you mentioned him with his recognition of routes and things like that. I, I put in my notes about Trenton Simpson that he's like an AI defender in Madden. Like he hits his landmarks and then he just sort of stands there and he doesn't really like react to the receivers running around him. There's just, this is where I'm supposed to be. So I'm going to be there. And it's very robotic. And by the way, very easy to pass the ball on the AI in Madden. So um, it's like he knows what he's supposed to do. He just is afraid to freelance it all and react. So I, that's something I noted for him as well. I thought in 2021 with Brent Venables as his defensive coordinator, he played safety on the line in the slot as a will linebacker. But in 2022 under a new DC, he was pretty much just a linebacker and you saw him regress. And so how you're going to view him at the next level depends on how you want to use him. We've talked on this podcast before that NFL defenses, they don't really like to be particularly creative at times. And so I could see that impacting his value, but he's a really impressive athlete. Uh, like you mean 9.83 relative athletic score. Mark, he was number one for you as well. So why don't you talk about what you like about him? What did we leave out with Trenton Simpson? If you guys remember, I think it was our first draft process that we did content together. I was a big Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa guy. He was, I think, a top 10 prospect for me. He ended up sliding to day two. I, I got so mad that the Eagles didn't take him multiple times. Um, and he's been a pretty good player for Cleveland. Um, and we've seen that, like Shane said, with a lot of players like that, that have a, a bit of tweener in them that they can fall down the draft board. Trenton Simpson has a lot of similarities to JOK. The problem is, and why I had Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa top 10, and I have Trenton Simpson in the middle of my, I think I have him 43rd, uh, something in that range. And I have him as a second round prospect. He doesn't have that same instinctive, you know, ability to get to the ball. He doesn't have that same awareness. He doesn't have any ball recognition skills, to be quite honest. That That's something that he just hasn't picked up as a coverage guy. He has done a pretty good job limiting coverage. I think it's uh, 406 yards on 612 coverage snaps. So that's pretty good in, in terms of production that he's limiting. 
But when you watch the tape, it's not like, oh, this guy's just a ball hawk and, oh, this guy's going to make a play on the ball. He's just kind of he's staying in his lane. So I think Shane made a good a good comparison with his Madden comparison there. So there's all the athleticism that JOK had, all of the the traits that a guy like Isaiah Simmons had. Um, those are the reasons to buy in on, on Trenton Simpson. But I just don't know if he has that awareness, that recognition, some of that. Uh, some some of those things that you can't really measure at the combine, uh, some of those instinctive things. Uh, I just don't know if he has that, to be quite honest. But I think Shane made a great point in terms of how Venables used him as opposed to uh, how he was used in this 2022 season. All right. So let's go on to our number three guy. We all have the same number three. It is Jack Campbell, uh, linebacker out of Iowa. Mark, talk to me about Jack Campbell. I'll let you lead us off here. So I've been hounding dives and Shane to get their big boards to me so I could compare and make some lists and we could start having arguments. And that's what I'm in this for. And there's always a couple guys. And I think you guys can say the same. I know dives has one that he was shocked. He was the highest on. There's always a couple guys that you go through and we finally all have our top hundreds or even more than that, our big boards fully made. And you're like, wait a second. I'm the highest on this guy. <laughs> and, and that's what happened to me with Jack Campbell. I did not expect to be the highest on Jack Campbell out of the three of us. I think I have him at 45th overall. We obviously all have him as our linebacker three. I thought Shane might be a, a big fan because of the 9.98 RAS. I thought Dives might be a big fan um, because of some of the tape he had in 2022 in Iowa. Um, but I, I was shocked to see that I was the highest. He's got all of the athleticism. He's got all of the height. He's got all of the size that you could want. Um, 91.9 PFF grade for Campbell in 2022. He's an incredible run defender. He will be elite at that immediately, I, I think. But the weird, there's a couple weird things uh, about Campbell's tape that just don't make you go, oh, I love this prospect. Like, it doesn't feel like he's making big impact plays a lot of the times. It feels like he's kind of playing center field a little bit and letting it come to him as a linebacker and it's a weird to see as a linebacker instead of a safety. Um, and then he also too often allows blockers into his body. Uh, there's, And then I talked about the 9.98 RAS, but do you guys think he looks like an elite athlete on tape? Like it, he looks, I'm not saying he doesn't look like a good athlete, but he doesn't pop off the screen athletically. Maybe it's that Iowa Hawkeyes uniform. Maybe that zaps the athleticism out of you. Maybe you're not allowed to look athletic in the black and yellow. Um, but he doesn't look as athletic as his combine scores should suggest because he tested incredibly at every single area of the combine. Um, the one thing I will say positively, he's really good in coverage. He, he allowed only 236 yards on 418 coverage snaps this season, a 93 PFF coverage grade. Good in man, good in zone. Um, he's an elite athlete, like I said. But it's kind of weird that he was only a four or three star prospect. Kind of weird that the athleticism doesn't pop off on the screen. Um, so I am perplexed by Jack Campbell as a prospect. Yeah. NFL linebackers are getting smaller and smaller, but somebody forgot to tell Jack Campbell, like yeah. 96th percentile height, 84th percentile weight. Like he is a thumper. He's huge and physical. And to your point about like letting blockers get into his frame, I swear watching him, I feel like he just invites the contact because he wants to hit somebody. Like he doesn't want to keep a blocker. He doesn't want to punch at him, keeping him at arm's length so he can get to the ball carrier because he just wants to hit the closest guy to him. And he sheds blocks well, but it's sort of wasted time as he lets the blockers get into him and then he throws them aside instead of meeting them. So 
yeah, what you say, it, that all jives with me. I thought he made a big leap in coverage from 2021 to 2022, which is important. Uh, I still think he would struggle in man coverage at the next level, but I think he could play zones fine. And um, I mean, he's a big thumper, and he's just not what you see in a linebacker room in the NFL anymore. So it's a little hard to project him, but I thought he was fun to watch. I like watching him hit people. For when, if we're playing the name game, I mean, we've talked and covered a lot of guys like Adetomiwa and different Siaki Ika and different guys like that. But Jack Campbell out of Iowa, man, that's like I, all I think about is him on Monday Night Football with his picture uh, at the beginning of the game on the TV going, Jack Campbell, Iowa. Like, that is that not like NFL quality uh, name? But uh, for me, He's got really good recognition skills. Uh, this is a guy who trusts his senses. He moves like a smaller player in space. Really good short area quickness. Uh, we talked about the combine. Crushed the three-cone drill uh, with a time of 6.74. Uh, no other linebacker that tested broke seven seconds. Um, so uh, that's really strong, man. In fact, only one corner and one receiver performed better than Jack Campbell in the three cone drill. So that's something to be noted. He's not a, an explosive athlete sideline to sideline, but bam, the bam a to B he's very strong. Uh, so Jack Campbell, he's right underneath my first tier of linebackers. And I've got a second round grade on him. I do think he would be interesting in an Eagles offense that or an Eagles defense. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Eagles defense. That is uh, going to have an undersized guy in Nicobe Dean. So I just picturing putting a, Six five Jack Campbell at Mike linebacker to thump guys downhill and that frees Nicobe Dean up a little more to run in coverage or to blitz. It's an intriguing pairing. Uh, they would you would definitely like you know like when a small run like when Boston Scott goes and stands in the huddle next to Lane Johnson, you're like, oh man, that guy's short. <laughs> and, and you don't think that when he's running in the open field, like Jack Campbell and Nicobe Dean next to each other would have that effect. You would see them standing there like, man, Dean is so small. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's keep rolling here to our number fours. Uh, at number four, both Mark and I have Noah Sewell. He does not make Dibes top six. Uh and then Dibes has Dayon Henley as number four. Mark has him as five. I have him as six. So, Dibes, let's throw to you first. Let's okay. talk Henley, and we'll circle back to Suell. 
All right. Uh, Dayon Henley, winner of the draft process for sure, uh, out of Washington State. He's a former wide receiver turned linebacker, uh, which was really noticeable during the Senior Bowl. His twitch and ball skills to hound route runners uh, to squeeze uh, receivers at the catch point is outrageously uh, impressive. You have to notice that from the jump. Uh, he's kind of an excellent example of where the linebacker position is going in the modern NFL. This is a guy who thrives uh, to play in space, thrives to play in coverage. Uh, his speed and overall movement skills uh, allows him to play both in man and zone coverages. He has a nose for the football. Uh, he forced three fumbles in 2022. He recovered two more. Uh, when he's blitzing, man, he's got a, again, nose for um, ball carriers in the backfield. Uh, he's got a real, just a really strong blend of athleticism, playmaking, effort, uh, which makes him an intriguing option for any second level of any defense in the NFL. Uh, so, again, this is a guy who really crushed it at the Senior Bowl. And I didn't really know about him until then. Uh, Weaknesses wise, uh, I think his age is going to scare a lot of teams, considering this is also a developmental prospect. Um, I think he's going to be uh, 24 years old in the near future. Um, but again, it only takes one team to fall in love uh, with a player in the draft. And that combination of age and lack of linebacker experience and, you know, truly specialized skill set might push him down on some team's draft boards. Uh, Dayon Henley uh, is one of the the more fresh surprises of the draft process. Yeah, he turns 24 in November, so he'll be 24 during his rookie season. Uh, it's interesting that, I mean, usually if you hear of a wide receiver changing to defense, they change to cornerback or safety. This guy changed to linebacker, and you would think that a wide receiver convert would not be a very good tackler, but he's a really good tackler. Only a 5.2% missed tackle rate in 2022, a 90.3 PFF tackling grade, which was surprising to me. He's also, partially because of his tackling skills, his explosiveness, he's a really good special teams contributor. So, you know, if the Eagles were going to look for a guy later in the draft to help out on special teams as well, uh, he's your guy. But he does. He just generally lacks physicality. Like he can get washed out of the box completely uh, on running plays, and so I think he's probably just a sub package linebacker, sub package linebacker, special teamer. That's kind of how I viewed uh, Henley in the draft. Mark, did you have any thoughts on Henley before we bounce over to Suell? No, you guys got you guys hit it all there. Dives definitely hit on the thing. I think um, his age will scare people. PFF has him. I think like thirty seven overall something in that range um i have him as a as a third round pick but um I, I could definitely see him either sliding up to the second round or going to day three he's one of those types of guys all right well let's keep rolling then mark we'll throw to you here to talk about noah suel he's number four for both of us uh, i'll let you take the lead on this one talk to me about noah suel yeah, I mean, he's a guy that at the beginning of the process I thought might be involved in that top three, um, but he definitely just didn't test quite as well as those guys, which is funny to say when you have an 8.38 relative athletic score. Um, 6'2", 250, uh, three-year starter, 218 tackles, seven and a half sacks, and 20 and a half tackles for loss over his three years at Oregon. Very consistent over those three years. If you look at the PFF grades, um, 70 he had three years between 70.5 and 71.4 
Um, so he's played about the same in terms of if you, if you look at PFF grades for each of his three years. Good size, very strong. Um, NFL bloodline with his brother Panay excelling at offensive tackle for the Detroit Lions. Um, and you can see the same mean streak that Panay has. Uh, there's a lot of tape where where Noah is just absolutely bullying dudes. He definitely has that hit stick uh, in him if we want to stick with the Madden references. Uh, but really good blitz instincts for, for Suell. Um, good luck to the running backs that have to block him because that is just an absolute mismatch. So there are definite coverage concerns, though. Uh, that's kind of why he's not a part of that top three as well as some of the athletic scores. But he is a bit of a ball watcher in coverage for sure. Yeah, I just to give you a window, like sometimes it's hard to synthesize your thoughts about a prospect. And as I watch Suell, I'll just tell you, here, here's a bullet point under my strengths for Suell. I put decent in coverage. And then under weaknesses later, I put struggles in coverage. Uh, <laughs> has good eyes in zone coverage, but is slow to react at times. Struggles to stick with tight ends and, and man coverage. And like, he's just a guy I felt conflicted about how he is in coverage. Cause there's times you're like, he's decent, especially for a guy that's as good of a pass rusher triggers downhill against the run. So well, like he's adequate in coverage, but then other times it's like, Oh man, like it's like, he doesn't have any idea what he's doing in coverage and uh, prospects are confusing snap to snap game to game. And I, I got a lot of that with Suell. I had a hard time placing uh, what I thought about him as a prospect. So he ended up at number four for me and I thought you did a good job covering him. Uh, he's got really good snap timing uh, as far as rushing the passer. And so I do think you want to use him to rush some. I, I put my scheme fit for him was a Mike linebacker and a blitz heavy scheme. Similarly to what I said about um, uh, who oh, about Drew Sanders. I think it's a similar sort of thing where you want him as the Mike in the middle of the field for his ability to trigger downfield, but you probably want to rush him quite a bit as well. So uh, dives, you didn't have Suell inside your top six, but did you have anything you wanted to mention about him before we move on? Uh, like Mark said at the start of this one, uh, he was a guy that I think had no, I rated number two heading into last uh, football season as my number two linebacker in this class. Uh, you talk about, you know, former five star recruit, that physical brand of play style. I thought I was going to be gushing over this guy. But the more and more and more I looked into Noah Sewell, like the the less I kind of came out. You know, six foot two, uh, two hundred fifty pound, uh, very explosive athlete in a straight line. Uh, but you look at the rest of his game, and it's pretty average. Uh, and I, I think he's going to really struggle transitioning to the NFL. Uh, his tackling needs refinement. Uh, he's got really good strength, but he needs to be more consistent wrapping up. I I don't think he plays with um, elite strength and you know, he's not a good processor. And for me, you, you already touched on pass coverage. Uh, this dude is so stiff in coverage. He doesn't have ball skills. He's going to be a liability at the next level. Um, so for me, he started as like a potential first round prospect uh, last summer. And now he's like almost off my board. That's how far he has fallen. All right. Well, let's keep moving here. We'll go to number fives. Uh, my number five is DeMarvian Overshone from Texas. He is number six for dives. He is just, he's outside the top six for Mark. Uh, so he Overshone was recruited as a safety, uh, but he struggled to get on the field for Texas as a safety. So he transitioned to linebacker where he played uh, out his career there. He is 6'3, 229 pounds, ran a 4'5, 640, which is 85th percentile for a linebacker. 
Uh, overall, he's got an 8.12 relative athletic score. In 2022, he had 96 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks, and five passes defensed. I think he made a lot of progress from 2021 to 2022, which is encouraging to see for a guy that's new to the position. And I talked about that with Drew Sanders, making that, you know, looking okay in coverage after only playing the position at one year. But seeing Overshone make those strides makes you think he can continue to make strides. Now, he's very good in coverage, which you would expect for a guy that was a defensive back. Uh, his defensive back background shows up and how he recognizes routes, how he transitions in coverage. He's got fluid hips, all of that. Uh, at 72nd percentile height, he has the length to match up with the big tight ends. He's got the athleticism to match up with some slot wide receivers. So I think you can use him. You can you know use him a little bit creatively if you want to. He's got good range in the running game. Uh, he's often able to beat offensive linemen to the spot and string plays out or cut them off, especially on like wide run concepts. But I do think he's slow to diagnose those plays. And so he can be easily blocked. And once he's blocked, he's not getting off the block. And that's going to affect him most on inside runs where he's easier to target, but it affects him some on outside runs as well. And he just he's, has way too many broken tackles. He goes for big hits a lot. He had a 19.2% missed tackle rate over his career. And so um, I, I think he projects best to the next level as maybe a weak side linebacker, maybe a guy that you use as a sub package linebacker. You know, maybe an NFL team wants to use him as like that third safety slash box safety slash sub package linebacker. Maybe that's the kind of usage you get out of Overshone. Um, he comes in at my linebacker five, which honestly, given the description I just gave him, should tell you everything you need to know about this linebacker class. But Dibes, he's number six for you. Uh, anything that you want to mention about him before we go on to your number five? I like him a lot. Uh, this is, again, another boomer bust uh, selection here. I think that should probably go in that day two, day three range. Uh, immense potential, freak athlete, uh, great versatility. Uh, you look at 2022, took at least 300 coverage snaps, 80 pass rush snaps, 275 snaps in run defense uh, during the season. He's, he's got a lot of experience there. Insanely productive as a pass rusher and as a run stopper from the will position, will linebacker position last year. He ranked top five in the Big 12 in terms of run, run defense grade and in run stop percentage among linebackers. He led the Big 12 in positive play percentage and run defense among linebackers. Uh, he showed tremendous strides uh, just during his production at Texas. I think there's a guy who's gotten better and better and better the more he's played. And if that trend continues in the NFL, it might take, it might, there might be a, some bumps in the road, uh, but he's got some really fun upside. Uh, you look at, again, his time at Texas. Um, he ranked second in the big 12 in pass play stops. Uh, and he allowed fewer yards after the catch per reception year after year. So uh, this is one of those guys that uh, I would not be upset to see the Eagles kind of throw the dice and gamble on, especially on a day three selection, uh, because the, that athleticism and those analytics are, are really fine. I think Howie might like this guy. All right. Well, Dives, let's talk about your number five. Then it is Nick Herbig, uh, linebacker slash edge rusher out of Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, he's number eight for me. So I'll, I'll fill in a few gaps after you go, if you leave any, but, uh, and he's not, all, he's also not in Mark's top six, but tell me about Nick Herbig. This is one of those positions where, like, I didn't know where to put him. Like, edge rusher, linebacker, like, Tuli, Tui, Pelotu. 
during our interior defensive line rankings. But Nick Herbig, uh, one of the best when it comes to attacking the quarterback. Uh, he's, he's small. He's only like six foot two, 228 pounds. Um, but he's quick off the snap. He's got excellent body flexibility, uh, very good closing speed. Um, I think he's going to be a designated pass rusher in the NFL. And I think he has the quickness and aggressive play style to be really disruptive uh, at the next level and uh, just a true major weapon in blitzing situations. He's probably not going to be a three-down starter, uh, but on a team like the Eagles who kind of like these kind of dudes, there is some upside here. Uh, A team running like a standard 4-3 defense might struggle to find some use for Nick Herbig uh, and probably struggle to make an impact on that depth chart. Uh, and I, like I said, I don't think he's going to be a three-down starter, but on a team like the Eagles who love to rotate uh, different, depending on situations, you know, you look at players like Hassan Reddick, players like Parsons, uh, those are guys that are kind of starting to open teams' eyes to the potential of players that have been kind of, dismissed like a Nick Herbig years ago. So uh, I think Nick Herbig is going to be a very valuable player for the right team, but his future will heavily depend on which team drafts him. Um, and he's he's definitely an intriguing guy out of Wisconsin. I, I've, I think he's going to be a day three guy, uh, but maybe round three is his upside. So the the most important fact you need to know about Nick Herbig is that he quote tweeted me one time. Um, he is the brother of nate herbig who was a former eagles offensive guard and there was a play where uh, this guy kind of like slipped as he was pass rushing against nate and he like he goes down and nate just like laid on him and just laid on him until the play was over and i thought it was hilarious so i tweeted the clip and nick quote tweeted it and so fun fact we've got background we got history he doesn't know my name but anyways uh He's a guy that his skills just don't match his physique. Like he's an edge rusher in an off-ball linebacker's body. And yeah. it's unfortunate because he's a really good pass rusher. I just don't think you can be a great pass rusher given his stature in the NFL. I mean, over 26% of his career tackles resulted in lost yardage. He's got good pass rush plans, a lot of tools in the tool chest. He's good at chasing down runs from the backside. I just think he's too small to be a full-time edge rusher. And so how are you going to use him? Uh, he had limited reps and coverage in college, only 46 total man coverage snaps. And so could he be more effective as a coverage guy? Maybe that's a projection. It's also asking him to play away from his strength. So I'm like you, I just don't know. I think I put down his fit was a three, four will linebacker, just maximize pass rushing opportunities and minimize his chances to be an edge setter in the run game where he really struggles. So that was kind of my thoughts on Herbig. He's intriguing. I, I like his pass rush chops, just not the physical profile. So he would, by the way, Herbig would be my number seven, and Overshone would be my number eight, just for what it's worth. All right. Well, let's get to your number six. That's the last thing we haven't seen. Uh, Mark, your number six is linebacker Dorian Williams. Uh, so talk to me about Dorian Williams, why he made your cut here. I mean, if this was an NBA draft podcast, I'd have Dorian Williams higher because as Dives knows, I love some wingspan when it comes to the NBA draft, but not as important in the NFL, but it does feel notable. He is a little undersized, obviously, 6'1", 226. He's got a 6'8", wingspan. 
Uh, for the people out there that don't know, on average, your wingspan is about two to three inches longer uh, than your regular height. So this guy has a seven-inch gap between his uh, wingspan and his height. So freakish, freakish stuff there out of Dorian Williams. Just like his speed, which is also freakish, a 449 speed, makes him a great coverage option. An 87 PFF coverage grade, very good in zone coverage with his length. Uh, Three-year starter, 302 tackles, 27 and a half tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks over the last three years. He is undersized for the run game, but uh, I, I don't think that he lets it get, he lets it bother him too much. He is still competitive in that. He's not particularly instinctive, but there are a lot of tools uh, that you can buy into with Williams, but you're, you're drafting him to cover. You're drafting him to cover tight ends. You're drafting him to be a coverage linebacker. And to play special teams. He has, 700 yeah. plus special team snaps in his career. He's a really good special team player, which is hugely important when you're talking about what's likely day three linebackers uh, or day three receivers or day three defensive backs. The ability to contribute on special teams is huge, and he definitely has that. For sure. All right. So there you have it. That is our top six linebackers. Uh, but of course, there's other guys out there, and we want to shout out a few of those guys, maybe some day three prospects, some guys with some upside. Uh, Dibes, I'll throw it to you here. Uh, shout out some of your honorable mention guys. Who are some guys that just missed the cut for you? Uh, leading off with Owen Papo out of Auburn, uh, a guy that plays with immense intelligence, uh, solid ability to read opposing offensive lines to block the run, freaky athleticism, very big hard uh, hitter, uh, and a guy that like has some really fun tape to watch. He ran the fastest 40-yard dash time among linebackers at the Combine, 4.39 seconds. That is elite. Uh, the only linebacker in Combine history to top his was Shaq Griffin in 2018 with a 4.38. Uh, he's, he's something of a projection at the next level, um, but like he's played for three different head coaches um, in Georgia, uh, on his way to Auburn. And this is a guy that has just a ton of inconsistency when it comes to off the field stuff. Uh, he's going to have his seventh coach in eight years, seventh coach in eight years. That's a wild number to think about. So, uh, Owen Papau is a really intriguing option. Uh, and then, uh, Henry Tuoto, uh, linebacker out of Alabama. Um, he lacks, what he lacks in size, he kind of makes up for it at, with this quick processing, lower body twitch. Um, he's a bit undersized, and his tackling is a little inconsistent. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that has really good recognition skills, uh, solid speed to attack pass and run plays outside the hashes. Um, he can be slow to react, uh, but I think he's got a day two, day three uh, upside to Henry Tuotuo. Um, He needs to get better at shedding blocks. Uh, especially against bigger players in the NFL. Uh, but that's those are two guys that I think are uh, I think deserve a shout out. All right, I'll, I'll talk about Ivan Pace Jr., uh, linebacker out of Cincinnati. Uh, he played three seasons at Miami of Ohio before he transferred to Cincinnati for 2022. And he was a tackle machine. He racked up 136 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks, four passes defensed and two forced fumbles. Now he is tiny 511, which is first percentile 231 pounds, which is 19th percentile. He's got 30 and a quarter inch arms, which is third percentile. And so he's small and 
to be honest, that's why he's an honorable mention. If he were 6'4 instead of 5'11, he would be my linebacker one and a first round pick. His size is just severely limiting when you project him to the NFL, but he was the play caller on the field for Cincinnati in his first year there. He's got great instincts, great range. He was the fastest linebacker at the Senior Bowl on the GPS data. He shoots gaps in the run game. He hits hard. He's got great instincts and coverage. Uh, he hits his landmarks and zone. He can run with guys and man, but it's his size. He gets bodied by tight ends in man coverage, which is a little prohibitive to playing him there. He's a really good blitzer. He can time snaps well. He's got a lot of different speed rush moves. His go-to is a spin move that he loves, but he just can't get off blocks. And he lacks the size, and that's ultimately what it comes down to him. I, I think he's a sub-package linebacker, maybe a rush linebacker. Uh, but man, if he were just if he were four or five, six inches taller, the guy would be a first round pick, in my opinion. So I hate that for him, but I love Ivan Pace. Uh, I hope somebody takes a flyer on him on early day three. His senior bowl tape is really funny, really fun. Like he when he's, a, you know, just doing one on ones and trying to blow by running backs to get to the quarterback like he makes he makes them look so silly. Definitely a must watch. Yeah, absolutely. He is a fun guy. So that's going to do it. That will wrap up our linebacker ranking show, our last positional ranking show of the draft. So uh, we will be back next week, like I said at the top, to talk about some of the guys we view differently and uh, argue about those guys and uh, talk about why we see them differently. So that'll be the last show that we do before the draft. BGN will have live draft shows going. We'll have uh, daily reactions out during the draft. And then Mark Dibes and I will be back uh, the week after the draft to break it all down for you guys. So keep it tuned right here to BGN radio, like rate review, five-star ratings really help us out, share this stuff with a friend. And we hope to see you guys next week in our last run through before the draft. So till then go birds. Yeah.